Hi everyone, welcome to episode 38 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. If this is your first time listening to Inside View podcast, again, we'd really appreciate it if you could go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Any interaction that you may have about the podcast, please do tag the guest and also tag On The Ball Team Building. Big shout out to our sponsors, GRG Sports who've been a great help since they came on board there a couple months ago. Um, if you're looking to tug out your local your local club or even um, colleagues in, in an office or, you know, at work, whatever the case may be, um, be sure to get in contact with the guys up there in, in Mayo. They'd be more than happy to assist you in any way possible. Likewise, big shout out to Vintry Harbour Asset Management Company, who are an asset management company based in Connecticut in America. Um, we're extremely grateful and appreciative to have their support. Uh, they came on as sponsors there a couple of months ago um, and like I said we're extremely happy to have them and we're, we're grateful as well um, if you have any surplus money hanging around and you want to invest it be sure to get in contact with the guys there they'd be more than happy to, to help you feel free to touch base with me um, info on the ball team building and I'd be more than happy to you know do an introduction with you and Andrew O'Shea who's the, the CEO and the owner of Fintry Harbour Asset Management it is now time to bring on this week's guest and I'm delighted to be joined by former Kerry and Sydney Swan star Ty Kennelly. The Listowel man took a leap of faith back in 1999 when he made the move to Australia to join the Swans. Kennelly's athleticism was evident throughout his career that saw him reach the pinnacle in both the GAA and AFL. Claimed 2005 Premiership with the Swans and winning an All-Ireland with his beloved Kerry in 2009. A club legend with the Bloods, he is also a veteran of the International Rules Series, having represented his country six times. I'm really excited to bring him on. So hi, Ty. Welcome to the interview podcast. How are things in, in Sydney at the moment? Great. Um, thanks for having me, Jamie. Um, yeah, look, look, it's a different different world. You know, we're, we're so far away in, in, in so many ways, you know, from the world that we're living in. And obviously, Australia is so isolated anyway, being so far away from the rest of the world. But... Um, yeah, things are great here, really. Uh, we just spoke there off air that um, it's pretty much uh, back to well, pretty much uh, normality over there. Just uh, people have been watched when they come into the country, so it's it's very very different to what we have here at the moment. It is. It's um, look, the, the government got to take a lot of credit, like you know, and I think they they followed the New Zealand example in, in March, where New Zealand did the same thing. They just basically quarantined anyone that flew into the into the country. And put, took them straight in a hotel um, with security, straight to hotel into two week quarantine. They've been doing that in Australia ever since March, and and, and the country's been relatively pain free. You know, it was a bit of a breakout in Melbourne, but Sydney, like with seven million people, it's been, you know, it's been a breeze. Really, it's been unbelievable what they've been able to do. You know, and a lot of credit to them. How's the last number of months been for you? I know you you change your role. Um, so did you find that a big change with the pandemic, or was it just yeah? Yeah, it's very challenging for me. Um, you know, I've been involved in high-performance sport and football, I suppose, AFL more so, um, for the past 20, 22 years now. Um, and the, everything with the pandemic and everything happened, you know, the, the world was turned upside down. Uh, my own world included, I suppose, I had to change job, change, change what I was doing. Um, albeit I'm still in sport, you know, that's what I love. Um, and I love um, development and, and I've always loved trying to drive people and get the most out of people. So a different change. I'm now leading a, um, a, a school and a school system here. Um, basically the same thing, but it's a lot lower level as far as 
um, I suppose the stakes involved when you're talking about um, high performance sport. Would the goal be to to get back, say, to a full kind of a full time role with a, a team like like Sydney or something down the line? Yeah, I'm not sure. I've actually enjoyed the I've enjoyed the the ease of the the slowdown. You know, really, it's been like I said, now 22 years have just been in a bubble that where I think it's football and that's all there is in the world. Um, I've my wife only said to me recently, you know, I've never seen you more more engaged, more relaxed with, with the children and. I do feel that now, you know, and I think when you're playing, when you're playing and when you're coaching, certainly, and like I said, in high performance, you, you can't really park it at the door, you know, if you lose a game or, or you don't train well or you don't coach well, it's hard to park it, you know, you drive in the driveway and, and, and see your children, you know, you're, you're thinking about it all the time and um, very different than the job that I'm doing right now. You can, you can park it really and you can come in and you can be more engaging and more, better balance in your life. Um, I did struggle with balance a lot when I was coaching, you know, because, um, I just felt as a player, I was all in, and and, and I did that as a coach because I just felt, I suppose that's why I had, had a responsibility to do that to my players and um, that I was coaching, and, and I did struggle with that balance. Um, no, the slower pace has taken taken time. I'm I'm type I'm a type of person that's 100 miles an hour, or uh, I'm uh, I'm in gear one for a lot of the time. So it's one or the other with me, and at the minute I'm at gear one for a while, and um, I'm sure I'll shove up the gears soon enough. It's probably giving you time to, I suppose, to figure out that balance as well. Well, it is like, and like I said, when you when you're in, I suppose, in 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 football and as a professional, you you just get in a it's a hamster wheel almost. You know, you the season finishes and and um, and then you go into recruiting as a coach, and then you go into your trade period and, and your draft period, and then all of a sudden you start preseason, and then you're you're focusing into preseason games, and then your season starts, and you just trap yourself in, and you're off for 24, 25 weeks. And that's been going on for for twenty two years almost, you know. And that's that, and it's great. Like, and I'm not saying it's not great, but um, I, I thought everything around the world existed around that bubble, you know. And until I suppose I've been uh, stepped back from it, I've realised there's other things in the world that are um, quite enjoyable, um, and, and I'm enjoying it at the moment, you know. And um, I'm not saying that I won't go back. I'm I'm just enjoying what I'm doing, I suppose, at the moment, really. And football has always been in your blood. Um, just for, for those that might be aware, we've a lot of listeners in, in, in America as well. So just kind of give a, a brief background. Um, when did football start for you? <laughs> I'd say the minute I came out. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in Tralee General Hospital, I'd say in, in 1st of July, 1981, <laughs> at about 8.25, I was given a football, I'd say. And, and and a Kerry jersey with it, and and, and and that was and that was it, and that's not jokes really, you know. I I think as long as I can remember, I it was it was it was football or sport, and um, whether it was you know growing up, whether it was soccer, whether it was athletics, cross country, um, you know, I just loved sport, um, and obviously more so with I suppose my family history, my father playing football for Kerry and captain Kerry and winning all Ireland's, and uh, and my brother and I. Um, you know, we just played football all day, every day, and uh, I loved it. And, and, and as you know yourself, Jamie and Kerry, every parent, I think, no matter no matter if their young fella is good enough or not, I think they'll be they'll give their son a, a Kerry jersey or their daughter a Kerry jersey, and, and hope that they can go and play in Crow Park one day and win in All Ireland, be it women, women's or, or, or men. And, and that's just the way it is in Kerry. And we're very lucky that we've got that tradition. You know, and not a lot of counties don't have it. And, um, I see a lot of family friends, I suppose, and they know that their young fella is not as not up to it, but you know what? There's still hope that they're going to wear a Kerry jersey, give them the Kerry jersey, and, and that's just the way it is. And 
and it's all abilities and it's brilliant, you know, and, and I know it was no different to anyone else growing up, you know, and uh, I loved it and, and, and loved football. Was there ever a sense of pressure or expectation, you know, to play with Kerry because of, of the, the status and the career your, your father had? I, I never really felt it, really. I, I, I felt more um, I wanted to do my father proud, really like any other young fella. Um, you know, whether the fact if your father was a butcher, you know, you wanted to be a butcher. If your father was a, an architect, you wanted to be an architect. And that generally happens with a lot of father sons, you know. And, um, the fact of the matter was my father had played for Kerry one arms and, and that's what I wanted to do. And and never once really felt the expectations of, of trying to live up to, to something that obviously my father was able to achieve. But um, myself and my brother watched Kerry Golden Years inside out every morning uh, I reckon for 15 years you know and because we just we wanted to be like our father you know like every, like every young like I said and we never really felt the, the pressure expectation it was more what we put put on ourselves around our own performance and around how we played and, and how we wanted to perform as, as a footballer really it was never really the outside stuff that we, we didn't really take too much notice of I suppose looking back now do you think that was probably good rather than bad because you see a lot of father sons there might be too much of pressure on Understand. Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and I'm even seeing it now myself in the school system. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff on 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 tennis parents and and you see soccer parents and the academies and whatnot's going on and the pressure that they're putting on their on their on their young fellas or young or young girls. You know, it's 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 intense, like, and it's not good for them. And and, and that pressure obviously gets to them at times, and, and they can't handle it. You know, and I think if you're if you're if you're able to step back as a as a parent and and, and being a parent myself now, um, I, they're quite young, so I'm not convinced to see how I, how I can step back myself. I'm I'm preaching something that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to carry out as a parent myself. But um, <laughs> you're right, like it's it's you step you, you it's it's something you see a lot of when parents are can come over the top of of, of coaches and 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 think they know it all. And I think they're probably trying to live their life almost through their through their child's life because you know they might have got the opportunity to do what their young person their, their child is doing or or they weren't, weren't good enough um you know i often say that to people you know if someone says to you you can't do something yeah just say maybe they didn't get the opportunity or jealous of you not being able to get that opportunity to do it and that's generally where it's coming from probably yeah no, no definitely definitely and we i actually at the time when, when your book did come out i read it so i probably know a bit, a bit too much detail but uh when did the possibility of going to Australia came around, uh, come around for you? Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't know a whole lot about the game. You know, I think I, I knew a bit about Jimmy, uh, Jim Steins. I was in Dublin. He came out here um, and Sean White, who was from, from the stall. His mother's from the stall. Um, they were the first real two that, that uh, had an impact in, in AFL from Ireland. And then um, I didn't really know much about it. There was a programme at home. You know, old you are, Jamie, but um, in sports day, sports Saturday, and they used to have highlights of AFL on it on, on Saturdays. And I used to see a bit of that. No, that's back probably when I was 12, 13, you know, but it really didn't happen until the under 16 and under 17, sorry, series of uh, Ireland versus Australia. And I, I played, and then Collingwood and Carlton started get, got, got touching me. But, um, you know, I was lucky enough, I, I played minor as a 15 year old uh, for Kerry, and I think. If you're if you're an AFL club and you're coming out to scout talent, the first thing you do, if you're, and the fact that they came at the at my 18th year or my last year minor, if you're looking at players and you look at a, a young fella that's got a played minor at 15 or 16, 15, 16 years of age, you think, well, he's probably capable of doing it, and that, and that's what I did myself when I was involved in the recruiting. Is if you're looking at players like Colin O'Reilly and you played minor for three years and Mark O'Connor and these types, they've played they've played it for a while, so they're able to handle expectations. They're obviously quality young people that can handle the pressures of playing and they're a really strong character and that's something that 
I had done it, and and a lot of that was also because my brother had been playing and given was a huge help for me as a, as a as a minor coming in as a fifteen year old who was he was in his eighteenth year with a great understanding, which certainly helped me. But um, and that's where it really started because clubs came over and started looking, and I was lucky that the fact that it was in my last my last year as a minor. Um, Collingwood Carlton offered me a contract, and um, then the Swans came in over the top, and and uh, I took the deal really. And. What like were um if clubs coming to Ireland before that period? Not really. Like was no, there was a real drop off from from um Anthony Tohill and Anthony was probably the last one. You know, it was a drop there in the in the you know the mid nineties, early nineties, probably to the to the late nineties. Um, the game started shifting from AFL or from from semi professional to professional in the late nineties. So there was a shift. And then once the, I think the clubs got in the game, got sorted, it went from private ownership to AFL running it. There's a big shift in the whole game in that 10-year period. And in the late 90s, it became owned by the AFL. Clubs had more money. You need money to do it. And, and you have to have money to actually go over to the other side of the world and, and do talent. And, uh, and that's when it started picking up again. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough to be one of the first ones to get to get back on the on the on the train I suppose and, and um you know get the opportunity to come out here and um you know at the time I thought I'd only be here a couple of years and I really was only taking it to tell you the truth take to better myself as a Gaelic footballer and I thought I'd go back um and I, and I remember saying this numerous times to my parents and, and to, to to my family that you know I'll just go out there learn as much as I can about the game about my body about being a professional and and, and go home to Kerry and be the best Gaelic footballer I could be uh, and that was my mentality and and I I went out here out Australia it's just soaking up everything as much as I can learning as much as I can um, and then within a few weeks probably about three months I started started thinking geez I'd hate to go back home now not having played a game of AFL you know having been, I don't want to go back a failure almost and not going back to the stole and it wasn't Ireland it wasn't Kerry it was more fact going back to the stole having not played a game of AFL football which was driving me you know? and you know well yourself Jamie the parish and, and the drive in the parish is something that drives a lot of young men playing sports at home you know and I was no different and have you any uh, great stories like Colin Cockery that time? Uh, the, the training did it? Did he? Uh, was it a shock to your system or something like that? Oh, I, I do, I do. Uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> and I and I was quite athletic, strange, you know. I could run, you know. It's just the the fact that the heat, you know, and and you're coming from you know all types of. Obviously, difference of thirty degree heat to what you're used to at home, you know. And um, I was here six weeks, and I went home for Christmas, and uh, obviously enjoyed myself at home for two weeks. And, and I got off the plane, and I came back to train. I trained that morning after flying straight into Sydney. Crazy stuff, you know. And I trained, and I trained for about forty minutes, trained, and then we had to do a six k, uh, six kilometer run. And um, I've passed out during the run. I've totally dehydrated, and I've hit the ground, and I've, I've split my nose. Um, I've passed out and I'm kind of I wake up and I'm in the back of an ambulance like I was out for I was in and out a bit and uh, my face was destroyed like I just fell straight down in the gravel and um, I'm I'm our captain at the time is at the end of the bed I'm in the, in, the, in the back of the ambulance and there's two paramedics standing over the top of me you know and um, you know for people in Ireland you know, the, the name Tig is relatively easy but um, when Australian people see T-A-D-H-G they go what language is this you know um, so the two paramedics asked me, what's my name? And I says, I says, Ty. And he goes, can you spell it? And, and I said, T-A-D-H-G. And they both look at each other and they say, this block's still off his head. Hurry up, get him to hospital. What kind of a name is this? You know, he's out of control altogether, you know. And, and that, that was a couple of days, 
you know, the club thought they were after going to, they're after killing me, you know, and there's the fact that I was in the back of an ambulance after arriving from Australia and there was a fear of God that my father was going to go over and ride in the lot of them and take me away, you know, and uh, I ended up staying at the CEO's house for about a month after that, which was great. Lived in a mansion in Sydney. <laughs> so that was a great ploy. But, and I also got out of a month of pre-season training. And, uh, I tell you what, I went home and I didn't drink as much when I went home from then on. <laughs> I suppose on, on that point, because, you know, reading your book, I saw, I, I did get the feeling that your father was, you know, was passionate that if you did go over, um, that you'd be treated rightly, you know, you weren't just going through the system. Um, it must have been hard for him to, I suppose, I wouldn't say leave go, but to, to see you go the year you went, because you won the senior player of the year that year with a stall. So things were definitely going the right direction for you. Yeah. Um... <laughs> It's funny about my father. I suppose the relationship I had with him and my mother, you know, was very as a young fella, you know. But I don't think I would have played Kerry Minor if it wasn't for my mother or my father, sorry, pushing me to play for Lestol as a 15 year old in the county league. I um my mother said he's not playing. And it came to round two in the county league and we'd lost the game. I don't know how I remember this. And we we lost the game to um Legion, but we played Milton Castlemaine in round two and my father says pack the boots on put them in the back of the car and uh, he wasn't select or anything but I did a course you know and um, we were getting beat and about 20 minutes into the game they brought me on and I played well and from there on in off I went and played senior football you know and three months later I was in play in trialing with Kerry because the Kerry Miners played a challenge game a trial weekend against Leash and Kildare in, in July and they got absolutely hammered so then Charlie opened up trials uh, Charlie Nelligan was the, the manager opened up trials for opened it up again and I came in and played well in the trials two weeks later I was starting against Cork in, in the Munster semi-final in in, uh, in Tralee in Ostec Park as a 50 which was incredible like the turnaround where I hadn't played the store senior and, and only if my mother was saying he's not playing my father brought the boots uh, it was incredible three months you know I just kind of off I went and look to be fair a lot of that credit obviously is my, is my brother too the fact that we played a lot of football growing up together and with a great understanding he was in the 40s of mine or played midfield even you know and you know there's a wink or a shove and, and he was feeding me balls and whatnot you know um, and it was obviously comfort having an older brother there as well as, as a young fellow like that but um, yeah, it was, it was a, we had a great relationship obviously as a, as a father but it, uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure deep down he probably was regretting the, not regretting but was hoping that I, I'd, I'd come back um, but also could see the opportunity that was in front of me and, and um, you know, it was he was the one really was, was pushing it, not pushing it, but was saying, you know, if he'd said, no, you're not taking it, I would never have went. Right? That was the impact your father has as a, as a young man in, in Kerry, you know. He's not, no, definitely. That, that's a brilliant story about the under-15. <laughs> that was the, yeah, you hear great stories from years ago before regulation <laughs> came in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I, I was skin and bone like I, I could see where my mother I don't know if I'd be able to let my young fella go at 15 like to play because I was I was a stick like see I see pictures of me as a 15, 16 year old and Jesus if anyone could hold me <laughs> shoulder by some from men from Milton Castle would have broke me in, piece, in pieces <laughs> and one thing actually I, I found very interesting um, you, you must have been handing off at soccer as well but you got trials over in with Blackburn was that true Kennedy Cup or how did you get noticed that yeah. way? Yeah, yeah, Kindy Cup. Um, I, mean, I captained them, Kerry, and we played in the quarterfinal. 
Um, I, I, I've loved soccer. I enjoyed soccer as a young fellow. A, a lot of great friends sort of playing with the Stoke Celtic. Um, we went to England as an under-12 team, you know, and, and, and I got a bit of recognition over there. We played a competition over in Surrey and, um, and there was a couple of clubs there and there was always a little sneak. There was always talk. There was always a bit of communication with, with people in, in, in the stall and, and to me. As a, as a 13, 14, like it was, and I kind of, and I liked it. I like soccer. Like I loved playing it and I enjoyed it. You know, and um, I did, <laughs> I did play a game when I shouldn't have played. It was a game. Um, I, I, well, I didn't play it. Sorry. I went to play it. Um, there was a clash of, of, I can't remember the age. No, I might've been under 14 or 13. And um, in the stall Celtic and, and, and the stall limits were playing football and soccer clash at the same time. And I must have had some argument with my father or whatever. And I said, off, I'm going playing soccer, and uh, off I went, and I went down, and um, I was just about to get on the bus, boy, and, and my mother arrived on in the car and said, "Get into that car, boy! Don't your father raid in your arse, boy? If you play, if you play soccer before, before football, but uh, yeah, I'm glad my mother did that. I'm not too sure I would have got away with too much after that if she didn't. That's uh, that's mortal sin in Kerry, like it's it's. <laughs> it must have been a bad fight I had with the father. <laughs> Do you do you think the say what happened? You know when you went over to uh, England, I think you went over for a while, did you? And it just it, it yeah. didn't work out. But do you think that drove you on to you know not? To oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. An opportunity I missed, you know, and it was it was something I I missed the opportunity of being professional. You know, and um, I I think it's funny the way that the brain works. I suppose as a young fella, you know, like I can remember things about when I was with a massive gable into the wall at home, the pub, you know, and, and I'd be out there kicking soccer ball. And I remember being, you know, I had a fascination with, with, with the Netherlands and Rud Gullet and, you know, Van Basten. And, and I remember just saying these things, I'm going to be a professional soccer player. And, and, and this, this professionalism was in my head, I think, as a young fella. Um, not that, that the Kerry football wasn't. Um, you know, but I think, and then once I'd missed that opportunity, I thought I probably, you know, I thought, well, I'm not sure there's going to be another opportunity to to to, to not try and make an, a, a living, I suppose, and an earning from playing sport, and um, and that was part of you know the drive to go and, and to go and do it also. But having said that, it's funny the way my mindset was when I left to go over was to better myself as a Gaelic footballer. It wasn't really to make it as an AFL player at all. It was to go back to go back to Ireland, being a better Gaelic footballer. And. I suppose just giving insight into your journey, we said the first week or two, you know, when you left Ireland and you went over there. Um, what I found interesting was that your father went, you know, just how times have changed. Like your father went <laughs> as far as London and, and left in. And insane. Like, it's insane stuff, you know. Like, I, I don't even know if I was 18. I was, like, I was just turned 18, like, you know, and, and he goes, right, jumped on a plane to, to London and, and, and we were so naive, and even my father himself, you know, we, we, we got to, from Shannon to London and we took the bags off the plane, which you could have, all you do is book the bags onto the plane and got them straight to Sydney. But we had to collect the bags in London and then carry them terminal from through London. And we were waiting about six, seven hours, whatever, and he's waited and gets me on a plane and, and, and I get on the plane, no idea where I'm going. And um, it was it Singapore, Bangkok? I can't remember. And they said, uh, you've got to get off the plane. I said, I'm not getting off the plane. I don't know where I'm going. I'm getting off this plane when I arrive in Sydney. <laughs> and um, I, I, I didn't get off the plane. <laughs> I stayed there clean the plane around me. And uh, <laughs> it was the fear of God. Um, the me only message I had was once I got to uh, Sydney was there was going to be a bald man um, at immigration with a, a red and white top on. The club had, I get to immigration themselves, like, uh, sorry, that was at the baggage carousel. But 
that was the Swans um, welfare manager waiting for me. But I get the immigration. I had no no um, immigration papers sorted. The club hadn't sorted no immigration papers. <laughs> there was some mishap. Um, I get there and I'm uh, I'm like I'm naive as as you can imagine, you know. Um, thinking everything is going to be done. I get into the country and um, you know, I had to wait for a couple of hours until the paperwork got done and, and got through and. Um, I got out and met that bald man with the red jacket who became a very close family friend of mine. No, <laughs> it's, it's Amazing, typical, no? typical Kerry, like just Sarah Pigrand. It, it, <laughs> it is like it, it, it's all of us, you know. I'm sure, oh, sure you'll be fine. Go on, send him off in the plane down. He'd be not a bother. He'd be grand. <laughs> and I thought the same myself. <laughs> Looking back, no, you wouldn't. You'd be, you'd be slow at doing, you know, doing it with your own, own oh. family, own kids. <laughs> It's um. It, what was that time like? You, you, do you find it extremely difficult to, to settle in over there? Because like, I'm just trying to paint a picture with, yeah. we say with the generation now that that's mm. going over. Um, it's obviously lonely. Like, is it? It is. Look, um, I I think when the reality hits of, um, where you are, uh, the work that you have to do to try and try and make it, and and probably the biggest thing is is you know I. I I played a lot of Gaelic football and soccer and I was good at it, you know, and I knew it was good. In it. And it was the place I felt most comfortable was out, was out on the football field. Um, and then you come to Australia and, um, you know, you're not comfortable on the football field and you're not comfortable off field because you're homesick and, and you, you've no family, you no support around you. There's no one here, no one, you know, I knew absolutely no one. And, and I got here and I used to basically finish training, go into my bedroom and, you know, I wasn't in a great headspace at all, you know, and I'd, I'd leave, get up in the morning, go to training, and I, I just couldn't get my head around it because it was so difficult a game for me to make and, and play. And um, and and you suppose you, you come from this, you know, small country town, um, you play mind of Kerry, your, your dad's successful, you're thinking you're going to be the next Kerry footballer and you're going to play on and, um, you know, you're, you're a big fish, basically. And and you you come out to Australia and your ego boy, you're at the back of the line. You're 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 a small fish in a massive pond, and, and that takes a lot of getting used to in early days. Uh, and your ego takes a hit, and, and a lot of footballers, athletes will tell you like it's your ego that really gives you your your bulletproof sense of of you can do anything. Uh, your self belief, it's that 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 ego is what really pushes you through hard training, through the motivation to, to, to do the right things, to be determined, um, to sacrifice that you need to sacrifice, the things you need to sacrifice. It's that ego that drives you, you know, and self-belief. And when that's kind of taken away from you, it, it, it's very difficult to actually trying to prepare yourself for training, get through training. And because you go, well, geez, I'm a small fish. You know, I'm, there's no way I'm going to make it. I'm not good enough. My self-belief has been challenged. Why am I sacrificing this? It's, let's just go back home to carry and I'll be fine and I'll be able to do what I can do, you know? Um, and that, and then you have obviously the, the homesickness itself being so far away from 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 your family. It's it's very very challenging. And it's not a, not an easy thing to do. And hence, the numbers are low. It's it's not an easy thing to do. You know, I'm not blowing my own tires up here. That's just the reality of it. The fact is, it's a totally different sport. And these footballers here in Australia have been playing it a lot longer than you ever will be or I will ever be when you come out from Ireland. And I suppose you know you you the experience of going through. Like, what do you say to? athletes that you're you're in contact with or have been in contact with over the last couple of years mm-hmm. what do you say to them because you you know you experienced it at the time when there was no social media or anything like that oh, it's the first thing I say to them it's highly unlikely you're going to make it it's 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 the, the, the facts and the numbers I'll tell me and, and tell you that you know you're going to be back here within two years or, or less 
Um, and you're really looking for the one that'll say, you know, shove the finger up at you and say, you know what, I'll show this block, I'll show this fella. Um, and 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 that takes a lot of special character, willpower, determination, like I said before, drive to, to be successful in, in, in another sport. Um, and that's truly what I said. I prepare them because it's ruthless. You're in a, in a lead environment where all day, every day, it's, it's, you're tested, you're challenged, you have to do the right thing all the time. 100% of the time. And that's, you're challenged on that regularly. And if you're not out, you know, see you later, you're going to be flushed out the window because so many players and so many people that want to play um, this game out here. And and, and, and it's hard, like, and, um, and once they get the reality of that true and you, you communicate that with them, you say, you know what, but it can be done and it, it will be done again in the future. And, and you know, who knows? And who's to say it's not going to be you. But I, I don't sugarcoat it. I never would sugarcoat it because last thing you want to be sending anyone out is false pretenses of something that is totally different to what it is because, you know, I'm not sure I can swear, but it's fucking hard. What a grand you work away the team. And, like, without, without picking out any, anyone individual or whatever, what qualities would you say that, you know, these people these athletes need to have, regardless, male, male or female, um, you know, they need to be determined, focused, whatever. What, what, what is the, the barometer, the, the main things? It seems to me when I was doing the recruiting stuff, you know, um, I, I, I took a model from the under-18 model that was here because I, I went to the AFL and said, look, I want to recruit players from Ireland, US and New Zealand when I first finished. And I came up with a, a prototype of, of how I wanted to do it. Uh, and, and a lot of it was the physical testing that they do here as an under, in, in the under 18 system, where they actually go in and, and test them. The 30 meter sprint, the agility sprint, the two kilometer time trial, the yo yo test. We do some psychological testing on them. We do some reaction testing, decision making testing. We do an interview. Um, and once you get past that process, you meet the parents and you start talking to school teachers and whatnot, you know. Um, and and, that, and that, was all, that was all good and well. It, it was the, the one that really drove me and, and, and got me um, was something that I'd put. You know, the scale is, is the character of the person. Um, and, and, and that's said for a lot of things. But I think when the character is right and, and it's, it's, they're, they're, they're not a shit of a, of, of, a, of a young fella, if the character is right and they've come from, from good stock and, and, and um, you know, that they're, they're able, to, they're able to, to really push through pain barriers of mental and physical because of their ability to actually process it and, and their ability to actually have the character to go, you know what, I can actually do this. This is hard and, and my, my self-belief is being challenged. Um, I know i got to sacrifice these things to, to, to make it. That's all comes back to the character of the individual. Now, if I, had a, if I had a test that could do it, I'd be an absolute billionaire, you know, because I'm sure the American footballers and the soccer academies and, and whatnot would want it. And I'm sure you'd want it as your piece yourself. And how you can actually get that, you know, that it's almost like a hot string or whatever, but you can see it. And I can, I, a lot of my testing that I ended up shifting around was around the, the competitiveness of the, of the, of the person, of the, the athlete that I was testing. How competitive are they? You know, and, and that's part of that, which you can actually do it in AFL or Gaelic football trialing. Uh, and American American basketball was the same, was putting them up against someone and actually that competitive um, trait, is it there or not? Uh, and putting them in situations before you actually offer them a contract. Um, and watching watching them play is, is a huge part of it. But certainly the character and the, competi the competitive side of it, um, you have to be able to do it if you want to make it out of the air. 
So it's it's kind of um I suppose bringing it back to to Mikko the wire in in the golden years you hear the stories that he used to just keep running the pitch and just <laughs> wait, wait, wean him out see who's mentally tough. Um, <laughs> it's we've changed well as a society, haven't we? Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same, same concept really. Like, but uh, just out of curiosity, something I've always been um uh curious about as well. Like, and I, I want it's it's the perfect opportunity to, to ask you know is what draws these um, AFL clubs to Ireland compared to, say, to the UK or, or the US or New Zealand? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I've been involved as a, as a as a coach with an AFL club now. I can see the, the impact that Irish players have on the group as far as what they give up to play the game, as far as how you can model a young fella coming out to Australia playing a game and use that person and that model to to really build your your, your development part of your program at an AFL club your 18 19 20 worlds come from Adelaide Melbourne Park or wherever you can show well you know what this young fella is giving up this and look what he's doing in front of your eyes and um you know I think the, and then that's only one part of it you the clubs you love that love it and you talk to any AFL club out here or, or people coaches certainly that have got Irish players on their list they love Irish players on their list because of that component of being able to show how much they sacrifice but also their ability, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're bringing something unique to the game and, and something different that you can't coach against because there's a flair to the game. You would have seen Conor McKenna do things and Mark O'Connor do things, you know, that, that Australian players just don't do it because it's not in their upbringing and it's not there, you know, and um, it's a great uniqueness in the game. One is an AFL player, but as an AFL club, uh, it's hard to coach against also when you're trying to coach against an Irish player. Like I, I coached against Conor McKenna last year and we we're in the coach's box and, and, and you know, John Longmore is going, what do we do with this fella? You know, and I said, <laughs> I've no idea. He's Irish. You know, and it's it's that component of that uniqueness that, that the clubs like about it. But I think probably more so also is, is the character. And you see, you saw that yourself with Conor Reardon this year winning the Munster final and he's, you know, the way he, he tanked the club and, and the way he was so appreciative of what the opportunity he got from, from the Swans and, and from, from Tipperary to play, you know, and they're the type of people that, you know, are going to continue on the play and, and, and help more Irish players and, and, and come out and play the game. Like, how do you go about getting... Um, athletes from say the US and and Europe um, like how do you even go about this like because yeah. we say in Ireland you have Gaelic football so it kind of mirrors AFL but in, in other sports yeah I, I um, it's funny because I, I went to the AFL I said, 2011 and I finished in 12 you know and I went to them and I said look and they said because they asked the exact same question how are you going to get talent from Europe how are you going to get talent from the US I said the same way I'm going to do it in Ireland and and use basically talent scouts. Um, you know, and what I didn't what I did in US was I used um, basketball college agents. Or uh, I knew one from a former coach of mine, Paul Ruse, who's, who's his wife's American, and had a bit of a name there. And he knew a couple of, and I got a player agent. Um, and he's his tactic was any any and we had a pretty simple when it came to American basketballers was there's a shortage and there still is a shortage of tall players in the game of AFL. So any player or college player over seven foot tall that didn't get drafted, um, we'd have a look at them. Um, and in the end, you know, we ended up getting one of the best rockmen in the competition, and Mason Cox for Collingwood now, who's a superstar of the competition. He's seven foot and, he, and you know, he runs a, tw- a 20 meter under three seconds, you know. So th- these, and, and because of the state's population, the size of it, you know, it's 350 million people, they mightn't get drafted, you know, to the NBA, 
they don't have another social basketball competition. It's either come to Europe to play basketball or you're finished at 21, 22. And these boys are freak athletes, you know. Um, and there's a talent pool there that's that hasn't been touched. That's scary as far as the US is 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 um is concerned. You know, it really hasn't been touched. And Europe's not different. You know, a lot of a lot of Europe was um you know similar around. We actually looked at um we looked at we looked at water polo. We looked at again. You're looking for something that that players are really um have an X factor around. But they, they have to be able to display that, you know. A lot again, it went back to the competitiveness. Generally, there was a talent that if they got one X factor around height or speed or um, endurance, you know, well that was all good and well. And then if you added the competitiveness, well, you can you can work with it. Uh, and 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 that's where that's where I started with it. And you know, it's um, it, it's very very enjoyable to do. Very enjoyable, challenging, and traveling the world, which was great. But it was it was um. Yeah, it was quite enjoyable, you know, and, and to get some success, obviously, was great too. What about um, rugby players, then, and, and NFL players? Would they be kind of too mm. rigid or too built for AFL? Yeah, the number eight. We looked at we looked at a few eights in 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 in, um, in in rugby union. You know, as far as their ability with their size again and their and their competitiveness. You know, um, we did struggle with the American footballers in in no tank whatsoever. Couldn't run. Um, and the game of AFL, you have to be able to run, you know, you're, you're, the players here are running from 15 to 18 kilometers a game, you know, and, um, and we did take an, an, an NFL player out for a combine test and then just, you know, the AFL club had him on as a scholarship list for the player, but you just, you know, you're spending that much time and trying to get a player fit as in being able to play the game for long enough. Uh, as far as endurance wise, it's just too much of a, too much of a drain on it. You know, ex- extreme explosive athletes, like scary explosive um, athletes. You know, and the number eight is probably one that needs to be um, and should be probably um, you know investigated more as far as unions concerned. Um, it's probably the amount, and when you go out in basketball in the US, it's just easier because it's just such an amount of six foot ten, seven foot tall athletes running around the place that have. You know that have done it as compared to number eight in 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 rugby union. It's just you know the talent pool is just not there. When I was reading your book, one thing I was uh, I was trying to relate to was that when you when you landed over to to Sydney, you know obviously there was no uh, prior template how this should be done. You know from for a player from Ireland going over. Um, but in, in your situation, you're given a document and you're given targets and you're given goals and kind of. A legal, I don't know, was it a legal document? Was it a legal document at the time? It was almost like a box, the back of a, a cigarette box. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I was, it wasn't, it was a document, but basically it was an agreement between myself and um, assistant coach that I had. Um, I, I And it's great, you know, I did, I did the same thing. It, look, I'm a very goal-orientated person, as are a lot of people, I think, you know, and um, certainly when I, when I came out, you know, you, it helped me when I got injured. Um, I'd go short-term goals, right? Reach a tick the box, bang next. You know, same when I'm learning a new sport, or, or, or you see it yourself when you're training people. You know, it's giving short-term goals when you're climbing that mountain. You know, it's not, it's not the peak of the mountain. It, it's, it's going to hurt you getting to the top. It's the little pebbles in your foot that's going to hurt you. You know, and it's the stones. It, that's getting through those little pebbles in your, in your foot, in your, in your shoe that's going to hurt you, and getting, getting through that pebble and the next pebble and the next pebble, and all of a sudden you're on top of the mountain. Um, you know, and that was part of being goal oriented and setting goals weekly, daily, weekly. Um, and I haven't changed. That's very much 
um, even the job that I'm doing now, you know, I, I love having a to-do list today and right, done, tick, 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 tick. And, and it gets me through, it gets me motivated, you know, and, you know, you can go up and down and be motivated. And I, I struggled a bit when I first finished playing that to get in that thrill and that excitement of playing sport. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, I went in a bad hole for about six months and I just started getting back into who I was and how I, what I do well. And that's the to-do list and, and the goal oriented and where I want to go and what I want to do. And, um, you know, it sounds very simple, but it's very, very effective, as you know. Again, this is the perfect opportunity for me to ask because I, I was reading about it before, and it's uh, it seems I have you on. I might as well throw it to you because I know you did you did touch him when you were on with uh, Bernard Brogan. But the culture in the Swans, we say, you know, when you won the, the AFL Premiership that time, I, I'm, I've, I have massive interest in culture and team culture. What kind of stuff? was done like were you holding yourself obviously accountable and, and things like that yeah I, I remember the first session we ever had we, we got a, a facilitator in and, and look Paul Ruse was, was a coach ahead of his time almost he took a war, took over from the Swans in halfway through 2002 we played in the preliminary final in 2003 and we won the flag in 2005 it's an incredible turnaround in three years from a club that was basically the bottom three at the time when he took over and, and it all started about how we want to be perceived in the AFL world and by our, our competitors. And, and it's no different in, 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 in corporations. How do you want to be perceived as a business? Um, and and we, we sat around a, a room and we came up with some words that were quite painful to, 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 to go through and, and words we're calling it were soft. And, you know, if you get the swans to uh, three quarters way through the game, they've got a soft underbelly and they'll fall apart. These are the type of words that we're saying that, you know, they'll push you, but, you know, eventually you'll get over the top of them and these type of things. So, and, and that's what we identified initially Okay, well, how are we going to change that? Um, and we said about um, who we wanted to be as a football club, how we want to be perceived as as a as a football club. Um, and this was started out as as the football department, and then it obviously grew into the, the football club as a whole. But it really was the football department themselves ourselves that started it. And we set out. Um, we came up with a trademark, and 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 then we came up with a set of behaviours and standards which we'd hold ourselves accountable daily. Uh, the thing with that is, and a lot of people know this stuff around uh, standards and behaviours, uh, the, the one thing that really rang home with me as a football club is, is, is the stuff around the thing you see and you walk past is the thing that you stand for. And, and, and what I mean by that is if you see a player or, or someone doing something that you know they shouldn't do, and if you walk past it and don't say anything, well, you're standing for it. And, and, and that's when things change around our club. And we saw players taking shortcuts in training, um, going out on the piss or going, doing things they shouldn't have been doing. They start, we started calling each other out in it. Um, and we started making each other accountable on our behaviours and standards because that's what we signed up to do. Um, and our behaviours and things started to change. The way we started to play, we started to play for each other. Um, and, and we started getting success. And, um, you know, we, we came up with a great trademark, kept it really simple, three words. Uh, I remember the 2005 when it was hard, discipline, relentless. And, and we used those words regularly in games and we'd be screaming it out to each other and we'd be going out the game, running out. And, and it would ring things straight home because what we do in our in our match one percenters was related back to how we wanted to play football and how we wanted teams once they come off against us. One, win, lose, or draw, they'd say, geez, that was hard. That was tough. And we did that and we got measurements on how we played that we knew if we carried out these measurements, Win, lose, or draw, the opposition would feel the pain coming off the field against us, and then it would have been a hard game. And and the fact of the matter is, these one percenters went on to help us become a better team, and obviously inevitably win win the premiership. You know, so um, you know a lot of work in that, and it's only very simple, but um, highly effective, highly effective in 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 business, as you know yourself, working with people around 
um, culture um, and, and culture now is a word that's been used an awful lot but um, you know it, it's it and it has to come from above you know it has to come from people that are, 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 are not just saying it but are living it and 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 willing to be challenged you know you want your CEOs to be challenged and your managers to be challenged it's one thing saying it and putting it up on the wall but if they're not living it and they don't want to be challenged and they're not living the right way and the standards that you're setting well there's no point having it really do something else um, you know, and and that's that's how it really started and it's highly effective. And I know, obviously, being involved in the club the last few years as a coach, it's still very, very strong, very strong indeed. And I suppose that it, it really, you know, I suppose the big thing is to have a coach that you know um, passes it on to the to the team. But again, you need a group of players that believe in it. Mm-hmm. That's right, and and really one two leaders that really want to drive it and, and be the ones that will set the example as far as challenging people in front of other people. Um, and once you see that, and, and you know, there was a lot of prompting from senior players to younger players about what did you think of that type today? You know, what did you think of a senior player? And, and they'd prompt and, and, and poke them to say something. Um, and, and that was great because that gave the younger players a voice in meetings, and, and it wasn't just the older players all the time. And, um, you know, and then we'd, we had a lot of peer assessment stuff where we'd sit around in a circle and, um, you know, stop, start, keep these things where you'd stop doing, start doing, and keep doing. You'd go to the room and you'd write these three things down yourself and, and then they're getting groups of five or six and, and they'd say the same thing about your stop, start, keep, about this player, what you think you should stop, start and keep doing. And you'd come out and you'd read your, um, your how you assess yourself and, and, and they'd read theirs back to you. Uh, very confronting stuff you know, when you don't hear what you like to hear. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of the line was, you know, we're, we're here to make um, us better as a team and, and if we make you better as an individual, it's going to make us better as a team and, um, and that certainly was the case. 2009, you you walked away from a uh, uh, quite a substantial large contract in in the Swans, and look, obviously, the money wasn't wasn't uh, the you know you want you there was something more than money at stake there. You wanted to go back and and um, win all early medal with Kerry. It was amazing how it worked out because you know it it it, it you did succeed and, and win it. Um, how difficult was it coming home? And d- don't know, it must have been crazy because. There was no guarantee that Kerry were going to win all Ireland that year. Yeah, uh, and it's hard, I suppose. You know, a lot of that, like it's a, there's a lot of mixed feelings there. You know, that coming back, I always knew I wanted to come back, and because, like I said before, it's what I wanted to do was come, was go and play uh, for Kerry and be a better Gaelic footballer. Um, I think you know my father passed away in 2005 from sudden heart attack, and that kind of sped things up. And um, I got some injuries in 2007, 2008, and I said, right, this is it. And I'd been there almost 10 years at this stage, you know. Um, I played a bit of, um, you know, a bit. I played international rules nearly every year, every second year, and with the best players in the country. And I'd always hold my own, you know, in Gaelic footballers. That is, and um, and and it gave me a lot of confidence going back to that. You know, well, you know what? I played international rules every year. I play well, and I am able to, you know, in training with the with the, with the Irish players. You know, and it gave me confidence. That I was able to do it. You know, um, but it was very challenging getting used to the wrong ball again. Quite frustrating actually, um, and. I really struggled my first few games, you know, kicking the ball. Um, funny, funny thing to say, you know, but um, I suppose it's been 10 years of learning a style of football and how to, uh, how to kick, you know, and uh, it wasn't until I talked to my brother about, I was, oh, I, what am I going to do, you know, and um, there's a handball area in the stall, you know, and I, I'd uh, f- finish up what I was doing and I'd go down there for hours and just kick the ball, kick the ball off the wall. He said, do what, do what we did for our childhood and that's exactly what I'd done and, and you know, within two weeks I had my kick back. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and 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 
<clears throat> it was challenging, um, you know, and I just came back from groin surgery also that, that, uh, that November, you know, so I had a slow start um, in, in, in training, you know, and, um, but, but to be fair, Eamon and Jack were great, you know, and Fitzmaurice was selector and Jack, um, obviously, you know, gave me the opportunity and, and they were very helpful, you know, they didn't push me too hard early because my body wasn't ready because I was coming back from a groin, groin surgery, you know, and, and um, you know, um, I remember playing the first few games. I was basically almost a 16th man, you know. I was running around free, and they're helping me get used to, you know, reading to play the game again and, and all that stuff, which is, which is great foresight for someone from 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 a management. You know, a bloke hadn't played football for 10 years, just get him out on the field and get him playing without having someone hanging on. And you know, I did that for a lot of the first few training sessions in Killarney. I was running around like a spare man, basically, and it helped me just, you know, get some confidence and get my hands in the ball and. Um, it didn't change. It didn't take long for the change before Tomas and and the and Ed Manu were breathing down my throat. <laughs> so I was like, "Hey, it's like enough of this." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, you know, it must have been difficult coming back with say the first week or two because you know you were a professional for ten years before that. Um, did you get? Did you find it difficult to balance work and you know amateur? or oh, look, it's more or less professional now. Yeah, no, seen, I, but... I, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I just, I had a real, I don't know what's the word I was. I had a real focus like that. Um, you know, the job that I had was, I wasn't in it. I was almost like a shell of a person almost, you know, I think that I was there, but I was out that door by, you know, I was, my head was fo- so focused on what I had to do. Um, you know, even to the fact of, I know my first day of training, Killarney, um, was actually in Tralee in Cairns Rallies. And, um, I said to I rang I was pretty close to Paul, you know, we, we grew up very close together, Paul Galvin and um and I rang up and said, Look, I'm not going into this dressing room on my own. You know, I don't want I I I, I was very conscious of my impact of of this hot shot that, that supposed that the media were portraying about me. I didn't want that. I wanted to come in, shut up, do the work and leave, you know. Um and I had an opportunity, there was a a, a production company that wanted to follow me around for the year, you know. In hindsight, it would have been unbelievable the way the story transpired, you know. But I knew in my own heart an absolute horrible thing to do, you know, coming back like that, be crazy stuff, you know, coming into dressing room like that. Um, it just wouldn't have worked in the dynamic of that group that had, you know, the O'Shea's and 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 and, and Galvin and Donahue and Declan Sullivan and Mike McCarthy and and Tom Sullivan and all Ireland's ringing everywhere, you know. Um, who's this? bloody hot shot you know and, and I was very conscious of that like and I, did, I didn't want to I just want to get in do the work and, and, and leave and, and that's really what I done you know and um, even to the end where you know um, you know Paul and, and Star were trying to I mean you have to start talking up here and you've got to stop and I was like you know, I'll do it next year I'll, I'm doing my thing you know I'm getting through and I want to you know and I was very conscious of that stuff you know really in early days but um, you know, I didn't struggle too much back to your question as well I didn't struggle too much as far as um, the job itself because I really didn't give it my all to tell you the truth Was the goal always to be there just for the a year? No the goal was go as far as as long as I could to hopefully win All-Ireland you know if I didn't if I didn't win the All-Ireland I don't think I'd be here today you know because in fact if, if I was two years out of AFL football um, if I'd stayed another year um, at 30 it, it's too late you know you probably wouldn't have been able to get back in and um, I would have been, you know, sitting in a in my bedroom at home in in, in the stalls yeah, today. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. And I suppose you know after the, it, it's it's amazing how how things work. Oh, like after the All Ireland, so 
were the swans back onto you or did you get back onto them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my head coach flew out to watch the game with um, um, the assistant coach who was you know, almost like a father figure for me. A couple of players flew out and watched it with their partners and, and they all flew in on the Friday of the All-Ireland uh, at the wrong cost. You know, I came and watched me play an All-Ireland final, uh, which is brilliant. Came to the stall, stayed in the stall, um, went up and then um, they flew out on the Tuesday. But the head coach denied it the All-Ireland. I said, right, you've done what you've done. Let's go. Come on back. And I said, hang on a second, no horse. Let me let me let, let me have a think about this, you know. Um, but um, and look, I don't think he was doing it. He's a good man and a good friend of mine, Rusey. Uh, it was coming from a really good place. Um, also, a lot of money for him to, to do it. If he was doing this from a from a from a tactic of trying to get someone back. And then that jig, um, was that I know you did it when when you won the the, F, the FL, uh, championship that time, but. And you did it as well in, in Crow Park. Like, imagine you fell off there. Like, it was, it would have been a f- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was walking up right and, and uh, up the Hogan stand, and and, and Kirky was in front of me, and 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 Star and Kieran Donny, and um, and Star, you have to do the jig, man. And then I was like, and I went up and I saw that it's about a foot in 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 width, like, and, and I've got I've got screws on, and I said, man. Quirky, once you lift that cup, you would stand there and hold my be the back of my jersey and hold onto it by as tight as because and it was probably the quickest two steps you know, I I got because it's right top down right you're you're straight down into the into the into the tunnel right on into the Hogan stand and you know you're breaking something there you know so I was I was conscious I didn't really enjoy it to tell you the truth I um I, I do have a great picture here uh, at home you know if you, there's uh, there's real emotion in my face of of um, you know, exhilaration and sadness and pressure and it's everything in my face and I'm my hands are up and I'm standing on top of it and it's an unbelievable picture and um, my wife often says you know the picture of so many emotions in my face is just unbelievable you know and, and the difference between that playing that game the pressure of that and 2005 grand final was just a total different pressure because the pressure I put on myself to win all Ireland my whole life was on me, and I remember being out on the ground, and very different set preparation. You're out there for you know, 30 minutes before the game starts. Like, and um, I remember about 15 minutes in, I was like, I'm the nervous injury. I could feel it. I was getting tired almost from it. You know, and I just laid down on the ground, and I, um, you know, I got the masseur to, to, to give me a massage for 10 minutes on the ground in, in Crow Park while the players were warming up, just to just to calm myself down. And but that 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 picture was was very strong, and I have it here at home. That game, I still remember it. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was uh, especially the rivalry. I think it was the first time Cork and Kerry met in in mm. North Ireland. Um, look, I got a few questions in, and I'm just going to throw them to Oh, it was uh, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> any any regrets? Do you know when you? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, With yeah, Nicholas Murphy, yeah. Yeah, it's not. No. I suppose more regrets with how I how I put in the book more than anything. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the fact that I went out to plan to hit and hurt anyone. I planned to go out and be physical in the game for the first 10, 15 minutes, you know. And if you tried to do what I did, or sorry, if I if you'd planned to do what I did and 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 try and, and it came off, you'd be a genius, you know. Um I was going in, I was going to be physical in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game and 
Um, look, to be honest, you know, I finished that chapter, that book, in, in, in the last, in the, the week after winning Ireland, which wasn't the, the best time in, in, to, to be finishing things and doing things when you're, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're in a different mental state. Um, you know, and that's probably the regret that I have. Um, and the way it was probably portrayed, you know, the fact that I, um, you know, that I went out to, to physically and and meant to go and hit Nicholas Walsh. You know, I didn't. I went out physically to be as tough as I could be by for the first 10, 15 minutes because we played Cork in a Munster final and they 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 bullied us and they beat us physically. Um, you know, and, and that's what I was trying to portray to people that, you know, I was going to stand up for my teammates and I was going to not let anyone bully us, no matter who you are and what you did. Um, and the fact that the emotions were running so wild in my head that the fact that I was 28 and I'd never won all Ireland, I thought I had a four or five miles pocket by now. That's where I was coming from, you know. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, I've got thick skin, you know, and um, it's people can have their uh, pick it up whatever way they want. But that was really from the bottom of my heart. That's the way it, um, it was meant to transport. I come out of my my mouth, not from Tatler Jack's mouth or where I was <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I think I was in the Cusick stand that day, like, and the roaring that happened, you know, when that collision happened straight away. Um, but did you cross, just out of curiosity, did you cross paths with, with Nicholas Murphy after that? I, did, I, I rang Nicholas after the book, you know, I rang him after it and I said, look, you know, I, I knew Nicholas from playing international rules with him, you know, and I knew Graham Canty very well. We are very close, Graham and I. And and he knows I'm not a, I'm not a dirty player at all. I, I I've never been sent off. In fact, lie, I have been once um, uh, uh, in a minor game. But I'm not a dirty player, you know. I never, I, I don't go out to hurt people. The game's hard enough. But I will be physical, and, and you know, um, my mentality, I suppose, growing up my whole life as a young player, a lot of us from my father was, you know, see ball, play ball, get ball, and you know, if someone comes gets you, you know, you're, the wheel's going to turn. You're going to have an opportunity to get them, and that's really how I played a lot of my Gaelic. You know, I never went out to hurt anyone. You know, I played ball, um, you know, 100 percent of the time. And um, I suppose the fact that I got an opportunity to be physical early in the game, I should have been sent off for sure. You know, it's, not, it, it's funny because you know the you know North Kerry Championship. It's yeah, tough, you know. Um, but one thing that came in is a question came in. It just sort of I'm going to throw it to you. Now. Um, yeah. do you know if you did get sent off that uh, that time? How do you think you would have felt? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. I'd be more sorry for my Sydney friends that had got on a plane or they lasted three seconds in a game. Um, yeah, I'd still be playing, trying to win all Ireland for Kerry. You know, I think it would have eaten me to to to, to death. You know, because it's not in me. You know, it's not who I am as a footballer. Would have probably hurt me more if I was a nasty player or someone that had done it. You know, I had a track record of it. Um, you know, it probably would have been fine, but it just it wasn't who I was as a player. But no, I'm I'm strong and I play strong and I play physical, but I, I would never go out to hurt anyone. Um, and I never certainly go out deliberately to, to hurt someone and get them off the field because I understand how hard it is to play and to get to an Ireland final play. Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think I would have been in a good place. I tell you that. Um, for the first few weeks of it. Um, no, it was difficult at the time when the book came out itself. You know, a lot of people had taken it up so wrong, I suppose, that, um, you know, that was a very difficult time for my mother. It was more my mother, to tell you the truth. You know, I'm, again, I'm thick-skinned and almost the abuse that I was getting and people were getting, you know, it was, I thought it was uncalled for it, you know, at the end of the day. It's, it's, but 
you know, it's something you can't control other people. And um, again, I, I'll keep saying I, I'm I'm pretty thick skinned. I can control it. But when it starts affecting people around you and people that are close to you, that's a different story. What was the hardest thing when you came back to Ireland to get used to? Obviously, the weather was, was definitely a big shock to the system. <laughs> I think that the game itself was was the short the shortness of the game really got to me, you know. Um I I I'd get to almost 45 minutes in the game and I'd feel it like and I'd be roaring, I'd be taken off and I'd be just I'd be gone because of the endurance difference in the game that I was used to for 10 years. I really was just getting gone almost, you know. And, um, I saw, I found in all games that I played, you know, someone in the first half to be to be tight on me and going well, and I'd just get over the top of them. The first ten minutes of the second half, and I'd be just, I'd feel it like that they're blowing up, and you know, they'd be next one to be next person on me, and and, and I love that. You know, I'd love that real competitive of me and you looking someone in the eye and let's go, man. I've got you. I'll take you any day of the week, and um, that's. I, and then the game was over. It's like you know, I really struggled with the shortness of the game at times um, because yeah, it was such a long, such a long game, you know. I, I was given this question and I, I was told that you should be able to, you, you, you'll understand what, what, what is meant by it. Know, but why don't GA players be more open about their problems and say not playing for the team? Because in Aussie rules, it's all about playing for the team. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I said it, I said it when I was talking to Bernard actually in a podcast there recently about, I think that this, that Kerry team in 2000 should have won more All-Irelands. And what I meant by it is that there was that much talent there. Uh, and you look at Kilkenny at the time, the 2000s and Montreal Ireland's that they won. I think we, we weren't able to harness the quality together to play together. Now, whether it was the fact that Sunday morning is two weeks before, our, before a championship game, the players are eating and beating the crap out of each other. By it. Like, unbelievable training on the Sundays two weeks before a championship game. It was... It was as hard as any championship game I ever played was, you know, against Tomas in, in Killarney or against Aiden in Killarney. It wasn't the championship games that was the hardest. It was getting to the start and getting a starting 15 spot in the Kerry team. And once you got that, it was almost, oh, God, whew, because it was so hard to get it. Now, Dublin were able to harness it with, through their culture and through the way they've actually been able to, to, to harness the whole of the football county and 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 the club is and club as itself as the counties itself because that's what they've done and and they've been able to do it now for a long time and they've done that through their leadership and through their cultural component of what they've been able to achieve. That Kerry team was as talented as any team that's ever played the game in those two thousands, you know. Um, and and that's what I I mean when I'm saying that stuff about you know being able to harness that ability, um, and and being a, being able to say look I'm not going well here I'm I can challenge my teammates or um that wasn't done. Why don't you think J players put their bodies on the line, you know, for their teammates? I know, yes, they, they do say, you know, that they would do that and they are doing that. But in Aussie rules, you're more, you're kind of forced to, you know, to protect the, the person with the ball. Uh, I, I think the game's different. I think GA players do. I think GA players are got a commitment that is, is it doesn't have to be the fact that you got to throw yourself in front of a bus. There's a commitment where they got to they got to leave their families and and they got to you know they got a job they got to leave and they're leaving money up behind or they're leaving things to play for their county or for their teammates. That's a commitment, you know, and, and that's a that's a sacrifice that they're doing for for their teammates. You know, I think the physical side of it, it's the game is physical. There's a different physicality to it, you know, to to the game itself, and and so there so there should be because it's it's a professional game. But the fact of the matter is, 
GA players commit as well as any team or any player, professional players that play the game or any game for me as far as uh, professional team sports are concerned. Um, you know, we, we, we touched it and you played international rules on a number of occasions for six times, I think, between 2001 and 2011. Um, do you still think that there's a place for for that competition in the GA calendar? Obviously not now COVID, but going forward. Yeah, it's hard. Look, it's it's. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I loved the opportunity to play for play for my for my for my country and and the fact as I'm playing against teammates here as well, obviously in in Australia. But but also the fact that I was getting to, to, to represent my country, which you don't get to do as a Gaelic footballer, and um, certainly not as an AFL player. Uh, and and it's a great experience. You, I got lifelong friends there. You know, Kieran McDonald up in, in Mayo is a, a lifelong friend of mine because of an incident that happened on the field in Crow Park. Uh, and and you go through things and you 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 know Leighton Glimmer's only texted me um, the other day you know he's oh, where would he carry football over me the footballer from Wicklow you know it's it's just these these connections that you make and stories and um and and also it's great to play for your country let's not forget that you know there's always been awkward with this thing and that's fair because it's not played regularly enough and I understand that and we all understand that but um, I still think it's it's you look at the numbers as far as the closeness of the two. It's incredible how close they are and how much uh, the games are, are so close as far as win-loss are concerned. It's, it's, it's actually scary over 30 years. And just because uh, any, um, any athletes I have interviewed and even business people over last, since I started the podcast last 30-odd weeks, um, they all seem to have that uh, X factor, we say. And, you know, I, I always ask them about, you know, what's their morning routine? Would you be an early, early riser? Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky where I live. You know, I live near water, so um, I walk down and get in the water every morning. And it's almost like a, you know, it's like a, it's a meditating piece for me. I got on and I spend, you know, 10 minutes. I, I spend about the winter. I'm in there for about a minute. But I, I'll stop for 10 minutes in the morning. And I'll just spend a bit of time to myself. And again, I'm almost checking off what I want to do for the day um, to do. Like, I've got three young kids you know, that, that, that are crazy and the house is chaos, you know, and I'm happy to go back to it and, and get to work and, and do my things. But um, I think routine helps me. Um, it, it sets me and it, it really sets, it levels me a bit and and, what, and and focuses me, which I need. You know, I need to be level and need to be focused on what I need to do. Um, it's traits that I've learned from playing Gaelic football in the stall to, to play on with, to play on with you know, the Swans. It's not different, really. These are things that I need to do to be a, a, an under-12 player at the stall. I need to be focused and I need to be prepared. And no difference that I came through and it's no different in my life now as an early 40-year-old. Would you be, like, even, would you be up, say, 6, 7 in the morning or would it vary? Yeah, I'm up about 5, quarter past 5 every morning. Um, I... I never was a, a real morning person at home, you know, because everything's so, I think it's later because of the weather, obviously in the winter, you know, the house is warm in the morning and, and, it's, and it's warm at night, you know, it's, which is, which why wouldn't you be? And I'd probably be the same place there, but here it's a bit different, you know, I'm up and I'm, um, you know, I get up before any, any children up really, like I said, and I'm able to do a few things and, and get myself set for the day. And um, no, I'll sleep every now and then and things, you know, and I'll sleep and I'll, I'll go down halls and, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bulletproof by all means. And I, and I know that I'll, you know, I'll get, I'll get in bad patches and bad places. And I try, I find getting back into the routine of, of up early water, spending time to myself and checking myself in and folks, it, it just gets me back in, back on track, you know, and I'll sleep every now and then. Would you like, as a result of getting up early, would you be in bed? Early enough, then a couple. Of, do you know the, the yeah. old, the old yeah. Irish saying is a couple of hours before twelve or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
is a better than a couple after. Yeah, it, 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 I am. Yeah, um, I, I'm just, you know, ten o'clock. You know, I, I really between six and eight hours I need. You know, um, I'd re- I'd rarely if ever have under six hours. You know, I, not having three children is different, but I it's broken sleep. But I I um, you know, it's certainly sleep's important part of, of what I do because it's, it's it's important for your body. You know. When you were playing, had you any superstitions in the mass or saying prayers or something like that? Oh yeah, I was insane for Pishogs. I was ridiculous, you know. The, um, oh, low battery. Sorry about that. So no, no. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I had. You know, I, I always wore a right ankle sock on my boot on my right foot because my kicking leg. And I, I, I happened from from young, young eight, nine, or ten. I just felt my boot was tighter on my foot. Um. With another sock inside, just a small sock, and I wore it all the way through. I had to tag out the back of my shorts for every game I ever played. Um, I'd love sitting in this similar spot on the bus. Um, I found routine better as I got older. Um, I'm sorry, I, I found it easier to do, but I found it. I had to, I had to do that to experience of what I ate and, and how I managed playing as a as a 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old, and 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 I, I found what worked for me, and, and that became almost. Um, you know, superstitions because I knew that's what worked for me. Last last question now. Um, and look, thanks very much for, for taking time. I, I know I'm after taking enough of your time, but look, you're looking from the outside, you know, looking into the GA and how it developed and has grown over the last 20 years. Do you think it's nearly gone too professional now? Or, you know, where can this, ex, you know, extre- elite yeah. amateurism stop? Yeah, it's become a monster, hasn't it? You know, and yeah. I, I I feel sorry now for for if you're a, a talented footballer that um, is self-employed in 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 Ireland, you you, you just can't play past twenty two, twenty three, you know, twenty four because it's just it's it's too demanding. You know, you you ha- you either have to, have, you know, two two careers, you know, and and it's be a student till you're and do your masters and all the way through and whatnot till you're thirty. Uh, or be a school teacher, and if you're neither, you're in trouble. Uh, as far as almost being a because of demands and, and on what you have to do on the game, you know. And um, there's a balance with it, you know, because I think the game has become also became overcoached. Um, it's become overcoached from from a coaching tech tech tactical point of view, and and also from a strength and conditioning point of view. We got animals, absolute animals. They don't need to be that big for seventy minutes a game. You know, and that's probably the rub off of, of rugby union and what's happened in, in the Munster Lane Connacht and Ulster, where there's such a drop, uh, such a you know, a trickle of strength and conditioning staff that have gone straight into GEA for jobs and works, and that's the way they've, you know, that's the way they've prepared them. Um, you know, and, and that's two things in the game. Um, you know, I certainly think there's a place for it, for for it, you know, but I just think we've probably tipped too far. Um, the spectacle's not great now, you know, and that's the, the big worry. And I enjoy it more than anything else. And, I feel like I'm an old man saying that, you know, but I haven't, you know, and, um, you know, I see what's happened here in AFL and the, the press, which is, you know, we did as an international rules team where you get the whole team up and you actually press the ground in front of you and you get your goalkeeper out and, and we had our goalkeeper on the 45 yard line and they're pressing to the kick out to the opposition and it just becomes so ugly. You know, what's happening in gay football, they're flooding back and there's, everyone's behind the ball and it's too hard to break down. They brought in rules here in, in in the AFL, and they're not afraid to make changes if it doesn't look good as a spectacle. They'll change it. Where you have to have six players inside the the fifty, which is like the forty five at home, for for every centre bounce for throwing or for kickouts, 
Um, you know, they bring rules, which would be a great rule at home, you know. Um, you can you only have certain position you have to stay on the certain point, certain time, you know. Um, I'm not sure I'm a fan of the mark itself in Gaelic football, you know, and there's things I'm not a fan of. There's simple things that I love here in the AFL where, you know, if there's a free kick against you, you've got the ball in your hand. If you drop it or kick it away, they only give 13 yards at home. They give 50 metres here. I tell you, it's stop the player straight away for doing it. If you just had a free kick against you and you drop the ball, it's 50 to score, you know. It, it's a it's a pet hate that I have that happens an awful lot in Gaelic football where they hold on to the ball and the time wasting, um, you know. But there are only small things. But I think the game itself is is, is it's I am concerned about Gaelic football and I'm not in the ins and outs of it all. But um, you know, it, it, there's always been dominance in Gaelic football, and that's the other thing with 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 teams, you know. And and Kerry had it, and you know, and Dublin have it, and and that's been part of the game for. As long as, but I'm more worried about, I suppose, the, the drop off of club scenes and where teams are amalgamating together, local parishes are playing together now at, at, at 16s and 18s. That's not healthy. And that's, that's the, the you can't forget that Gaelic, the GA, you know, that's where the, the game needs to pick up and if it's going to survive. Well, I'll wrap it up there. I know it's uh, it's uh, evening over there. Um, I'll, uh, look, I really appreciate taking the time out and coming on an interview podcast and look, best look with, with everything going forward. No problem. Anytime, Jamie, boy. It was great chatting to you. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Tyg. What an interesting story. I think we get fascinating insight into his career. Um, by no means was it easy when he, he made that leap of faith back in 1999. But look, again, thanks very much, Tyg, for coming on the interview podcast and, and taking the time out to come on, more importantly. That's all from us on this week's podcast. Please do get in contact with the show if you, if you have any stories from bad of a team, whether it's a sports team or a corporate team, please do let us know. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. It's on Instagram it's at underscore on the ball team building on Facebook it's on the ball team building on Twitter it's at we are on the ball too it's as a digit too we're also on TikTok on the ball team building and we're also on LinkedIn we have a page on LinkedIn so be sure to follow us on that also you'll find us at on the ball team building Um, just a quick note we didn't say it at the start and I'd just like to point it out now we'd really appreciate if you could uh, go on to iTunes and click subscribe to an interview podcast and if you could leave a, a review too uh, we'd really appreciate it Look, have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest. Till then, please do stay safe and remember, cred on a fan. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.